welcome to Define Normal, a podcast for everything and nothing is normal. I'm your host, Shelby, and today I'm joined by Elaine Thompson, a New York-based interior designer and the founder and principal of Pistachio Designs. Her projects are often full of print and pattern, with the goal of every project being to reflect the personality of each of her clients. Her work has been featured in such publications as the New York Times, Rue Magazine, and Apartment Therapy. My apartment that Elaine designed was actually an apartment therapy a couple years ago at this point, and Elaine designed my latest apartment in bed So if you know me personally, you've probably commented or seen photos of my apartment, and people ask me all the time, you pay to have someone decorate your apartment? Also for context, I rent, so people are like, you pay for someone to rent, or pay for people to design your rental apartment? The answer is I do. That person is Elaine, and I brought her onto the podcast because not only has it been lovely working with her, but as someone who lives in New York City, especially post-pandemic New York City, I spend a lot of time at home. I work from home. I work out at home. I entertain at my home, and it was really important to me, even before the pandemic, to have a space that really felt like me as a New Yorker. Your apartment's your only refuge from like the craziness that exists in New York. And I always wanted it to feel like home. I'm obviously not from New York. I'm from Ohio. And so this is my one uh, place for serenity in the city. And so it's very important to me how it looks. So with all the questions I often get about Elaine, I wanted not only for her to talk about her business, her journey to entrepreneurship, but I also wanted her to share a little bit of our process together and Um, trusting each other and just how it all comes together. Uh, I sent her a deck about my apartment before I even, you know, fully moved into it. So uh, we get into all of that in the interview. And so without further ado, here's my conversation with Elaine. Hi, Elaine. Welcome to Define Normal. Hi, Shelby. Thanks for having me. Of course. I'm so excited to have you today. As you know, we are here to talk about all things interior design. For those who don't know, Elaine decorated my apartment, not only the one I'm currently in, but the one before. So she's my resident expert, but also an expert to many. So I'm so excited to have you here and hear more about your process, hear more about your business. To kick off, I actually just want to give you the floor to tell me a little about about yourself. And then from there, I'll ask you some questions. I am an interior designer based here in New York. And I started my firm, Pistachio Designs, about four years ago. Um, I had to look this up recently for my LLC information. So I was like, how long has it actually been? It's been four years. And fun fact, Shelby, I think you were actually my first like real client. Really? As in someone I didn't know or like wasn't a friend of a friend, like a total stranger, basically. <laughs> I didn't know that. I was like putting it together the other day and I was like, I'm pretty sure it was Shelby. Look at that. Yeah. And it was really, I mean, I think of your project too, which I know we'll get into is sort of the the tipping point where I really thought, oh, wow, I can build this out to be a full-fledged business and like, I can make this work. So, so credit to you there. Thank you. Oh my God. I'm honored. So officially started Pistachio four years ago. Prior to that, I had been working at a series of different corporate jobs, all in different creative, what we would consider creative industries, Um, but I was always in more of the operations side. So I was at some fashion brands, Ralph Lauren, J. Crew. I worked in beauty. Um, I was at NARS Cosmetics. And then while working in those jobs, even though, so I studied art and business in college. 
and I loved that I could do really like use both sides of my brain there. And there was to me a lot of um, students at the college I went to, Skidmore, did these sort of like right brain, left brain major minors. So it was not weird. It was like totally normal that people expected that, oh, you have these multiple interests and you're interested in combining them and making um, both of them work. So I assumed that when I got this these jobs in creative companies, but in more ops-focused roles, it would be a good combo of both sets of skills. And I learned pretty quickly that that is like not the case at all, <laughs> that it's like, it's totally, it's very separate. You know, if you're in creative, you can't like, you have no say in operations, you know, to do's and vice versa, um, which was frustrating. And I tried a lot of ways to make it work and it just wasn't. So I needed some sort of creative outlet. I originally started um, a blog, a Tumblr blog, throwback. <laughs> I don't even know if Tumblr's still around. I think so, but it's like way different now. It's, yeah, great. <laughs> <laughs> so started that and then it just like kind of evolved. I was always picking up new hobbies, new, you know, like if there was any kind of new craft or creative endeavor or anything, I was like game to try all of it and would just document it. Because as you can appreciate in New York, we're moving around all the time. I had, I don't even know how many apartments in such a short period of time. And all my friends were moving around. The design, interior design piece became something that I was focusing on more and more. And it was a great use of my skill set. It really is truly a combination of this creative, being able to see the vision of a space when then there's like the whole logistical aspect. So it was a good puzzle and it was fun. I was doing more and more. I started an Instagram, which I believe is how you found me. Yes. Right? So I, I'm going to have to tell that story because people ask me, you, there was an article about you, or you were featured in a New York Times article and yes. it wasn't about design. Well, it was about design, but it was about your apartment. So it's about like you yes. buying an apartment and then I saw how it was designed. So I wanted to buy a place in New York. So I'm like looking, I read that article and then I look you up. I'm like, this person and I look you up on Instagram and I'm like oh like she also decorates people's apartments so like I'm on your website and at the time you had those like different tiers where you could do like yes. a room you could do like so yep. I was like yep. okay I just moved into my first apartment alone I as I'll get into is I'm not a good interior designer <laughs> um and so <laughs> I was like great I emailed you and the rest is history the New York Times piece was really fun not only because it was just buying that apartment was I was so proud of myself for that but that it did help generate traffic to my website Instagram and then um, I started getting more inquiries from there you being the first as we said but yeah and then it just grew from there and it was I was juggling the design clients with um, my corporate job and it just got to that point where I was having to turn design jobs down in order to keep working. Um, I was at NARS at the time. And so I just took the leap. I've been just thrilled ever since. It's been such such a good move for me. I love being able to control what my days look like in terms of designing versus focusing on more of the business admin. I love running a business, which I didn't 
truly, there's some people, I'm sure you know, that are just like, that is like their whole MO is they're like, I just want to start companies. I want to, you know, build the next thing and then move on to something else. I'm sure even just within startup culture that yeah. is prevalent, which is like, was never my thing. I was like, I love stability. <laughs> I love like depend, like I, that just does not appeal to me at all. It just came out of like, I just wanted to have the ability to control being able to use both skill sets that I think I have in a way that really touches people. I can really see the tangible ways that it helps people. Um, and so it's just, it's been even better than I expected. I love what you said in the beginning about working at creative companies, but being in operations, that's kind of been my story too, where like, I'm always like a little bit, I'm both. I am someone who's creative and operational. But I think most people are. I really do. Pick a, you have to like pick a lane. And so you get a job, several jobs that I've had. This is probably the first job I've had, my current job, where I do both. I'm in a partnerships role where I'm like pitching clients on like strategy for their rooms on Clubhouse. But I'm also at the same time like sitting there and looking how the rooms went and like doing admin tasks to make sure everything goes well. But at every other job I've had, I've been an admin on a creative team. So it's like, I'm close, but I actually don't have a say. I might go to the meeting, but the point of me in the meeting is to say how it's going to work. So I love that because I think you're highlighting an issue that many people have where it's like, ah, I kind of want to be a little closer to one or the other. And you've started your own business and found a way to do both, which is incredible. I want to ask you a little bit about entrepreneurship. So now that you've told us how you started the business, the first question I have is after how much time did you decide, okay, I'm doing this full time? Because you mentioned you were turning down jobs. I want to say it was like a year into once I formally started my LLC. So if I started it in 2018, it was about a year that then gaining momentum and ready to do it. Because I knew too that it was never going to feel comfortable. Like it was never going to feel like, oh yeah, like I'm totally set. I have jobs booked out for years and like, it's, it's all fine. Uh, I knew that would never happen. And that to get to that point, I would need to invest my full time and energy into it. So, so there is that, you know, that leap of faith piece that I know everyone says, but <laughs> you just have to be confident. And I always felt like if it didn't work, I could find something that would. Yeah, you could get another job. Get another job, whether it was in the industry I was in before, whether it was like going to some sort of part-time situation. I thought about that for a long time. And, you know, if I could do that and make that work, even if it was a lower position than um, where I was previously in the corporate ladder, I was okay with that knowing that I could focus on um, something else that would bring me satisfaction. and Which I think is like the common denominator, right? Like when people often start their own businesses, there's this weird arc in the story where you kind of have to quit. You have to quit your job or you have to like step away from some things, just like fully throw yourself in, which I think is admirable because I value stability like you. It's New York City. Like you're like, it's expensive. Am I getting paid? What's going on? So I totally understand that. What has been the hardest part of entrepreneurship? For sure. And being a solo entrepreneur and really my coworkers are myself. <laughs> it's, it's me, myself and I, and yeah. I am an introvert. I love my solo time. 
I like really try to limit even among close friends and family, how much time not overwhelming myself with plans. Like I know that about myself. So this is a, this is a shock to me, <laughs> frankly, that I am like, Oh, it'd be nice to have like a coworker to sit next to <laughs> and chat about things. I have two ways that within the past, like I would say year to year and a half, I've sort of gotten around that. And one is joining a designer collaborative. It's, sort of casual, but once a month we meet and talk about what's going on, if we need help with things, um, if people have recommendations. And so that's been great. And especially for my little introverted self, it's good to know, like, this is my dedicated time for this. <laughs> and like, I'm so there when I'm there, but then, you know, I need, I need space otherwise. And then I recently, earlier this summer, hired um, an assistant and she has been, yeah, she has been so great just to even like bounce ideas off of. She's a star. So, um, so that's been, that's been wonderful as well. So you have an assistant and then you have a collective who you spend some time with when your introverted heart says that you want time. Every person going into, I don't care how much of an expert you are, you, they, you make blunders along the way, right? Yeah. Like you just sort of like figure things out. So it's really nice to know that like, is anyone else running into this problem? Or is this quote, like, crazy high? And just, you know, have someone or any, like, a group of people to say, oh, yeah, that's crazy. Or no, that's about right. Or talk to my person at XYZ. So yeah, people to bounce ideas off of are amazing. I would love to hear what you would describe your interior design style as. Yes. This is always so tricky. To sum it up in one word, I would say eclectic, but I really, really, all of the spaces I design, I try to infuse with prints or patterns, color, and sort of that whimsical feel, but still maintaining a sense of sophistication. This is why you are the person for me. I love a color. <laughs> you do, which I love. I love because a lot of people are afraid of color or, you know, don't, don't feel confident using it in more than just like accents. I'm wearing a lime green shirt as we as we record. <laughs> like I am thoroughly obsessed. So I when I saw that photo of your apartment, the studio that you bought in the New York Times, I really liked that there was color in it. I loved that shutter divider in the studio. That like the whole style of it made me reach out because I think in New York with small spaces and we'll get into this, it's like you not only have to be a good designer, you have to be a smart designer because you know, everywhere else, like not to discredit designers, it's a, hard, it's a hard job. But when you have a big space to work with, you can you don't have to think as hard. I think in New York, it's like, okay, that's great. But is that too big for the space? We really have to maximize. Yeah, exactly. And you really did that in your, in your studio. So I was like, okay, loving the color, love the shutter. Like, I really loved that. I'm so proud of that. But I feel like we really accomplished that in your first apartment, especially. Yes, that apartment we made that work. <laughs> we did. And it was a tiny, it was a tiny little thing. Oh yeah. She was small. She was, she was small. <laughs> and now that I'm in this apartment, I'm like, how did I ever live in that apartment? Like that was a tiny, but you made it look so good that like I came home and I'm like, I was proud of the space. I'm like, this is my space. So cute. It was my first solo apartment like in New York. So I was just, I was just very proud of it, regardless of the fact that. I could barely cook anything in there. Yes. Well, and the ceiling 
were really low. Like, probably illegally low. <laughs> illegally low. You could literally touch the ceiling. But when <laughs> close friends came over who were tall, I have a photo of my friend Brian who's like, he's very tall. He's over six feet tall. And he's like, with his head, he has his hand over yep. his head. Like, I, I can't stand yep. up in here. So, yep. <laughs> you know, she wasn't perfect, but she was mine. We talked about your style, but I would love to know where you draw inspiration from. I'm not going to be cliche and say from everywhere, <laughs> even though I do think it's good to like pay attention to everything and all of that. But I will say the the things that I seek out the most and that I always get the most out of are going on home tours, oh, whether nice. it's like a historic home tour, um, which any any of them I'm there for it it could be like the most opulent place it could be um just like your regular run-of-the-mill standard like middle-class family home I'm I love them all like it's just so fun to see how people live in their spaces how it's changed over time you just get so many ideas from it and also the evening time in New York walking around and you can see into people's apartments favorite activity best time to go on a walk <laughs> I love that I love to see the inside the windows of people's apartments like when you're it's walking so on, good. on the high line when I walk on the high line and you can see direct because some of those apartments are eye level and so you're like "Ooh, what's going on over there gorgeous interior design I love what you said about touring homes because my sister and I you may have seen this on Instagram. My sister and oh, I just yeah. went. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yes. We went to Homerama with my mom, which is like. Which is such a good name. <laughs> Homerama. Like, it was the 59th Homerama. And as a kid, my mom and dad would drag us to these things. Like, my mom loves looking at houses. So I grew up going to open houses. When we built our house, my mom is, like, taking us around to furniture stores. Like, it's a thing in my family. My grandma's the same. And so. When I was home last, my mom and sister were like, let's go to this. And it was so fun because to your point, yeah. they were all staged, but it was cool to see how they were staged, what people would do with the space. Like I saw really totally. cool, cool wallpaper or like things I yep. wouldn't do or wouldn't think to do, but actually really liked. So I think that's really. Right. Or even in those situations of new builds, just seeing like, okay, so, you know, you made the living space more open plan versus separate rooms is that a trend is that you know just how people in this area live and use their space is that so it's just I don't know it's it's just good I always always get a lot out of them even if I get out of them I don't love this style or I don't like this you know way this layout or what have you it's all good how do we feel about Pinterest do you use that at all I use Pinterest every day. I love Pinterest. <laughs> I, I had to ask because there's a Pinterest research in my friend group where whenever we talk about one of my friends just bought a place or two of my friends actually just bought places. So congrats to them. But they are decorating and I asked like, okay, so what's the inspo? And I got sent a full Pinterest board and I'm like, I, I don't pin anymore. I'm like, should I be, should I be doing that? Like, Maybe when I sent you my brief of what I wanted for the apartment, it should have been a Pinterest board. I just no. I didn't oh my know. gosh, I loved your brief. I loved that. I love that. No, I don't use Pinterest. The like, I can't remember the last time I searched for something in Pinterest. I use it only for a, as I'm like combing through my, you know, the internet, yeah. <laughs> and I want to remember something for a specific project. It's just a way of collecting 
and labeling all of those resources. But yeah, I cannot tell you the last time I went into the Pinterest search function and said like mid-century chairs. Like I can't. <laughs> You're just pinning things you grabbed from other places. Yes. Yeah. It's just, them. it's a tool. It's a good tool to collect all of those things from everywhere while maintaining the link backs and all of that. So, so that's what I use it for. And it's a great sharing resource with clients. Um, yeah, I might use it again. Some people like it, some people don't. It is a good a good place to collaborate there. So tell me a little bit about your services that you offer. So when I when I started, like I mentioned earlier, we were talking about how you could kind of do packages with certain rooms or you could do the whole apartment. And when I last saw you, we were talking about also how you're getting into not only interior design, but you're helping people kind of like design their homes in general. So I want to hear what's the progression from just like interior design to like, I mean, what do we call that? I'm not going to pretend to be an, an expert. It's an act. I'm like, it's actual design. So I, I obviously need you to fill in the blanks there, but just, yeah, tell me, tell me more about that. Yeah. Well, I would say like what we've focused on, especially in your last place, but even this one and what a bulk of my business has been up until now is more decorating. So really just the the furniture, fixtures, wall, window coverings, all that. The construction work and the interior design of doing more of the, the renos, specifically in kitchens and baths, has been, it's been a lot. <laughs> and I learn, like, it's that classic phenomenon where it's like when you think you have it figured out you realize that there's like this huge gap that you're like oh wow I completely knew nothing about that <laughs> that is all new what a surprise so so I've adjusted the services accordingly so I still have what I call e-design which I call it that because it can all be handled remotely and so that is an option for primarily decorating clients where it's really they have a space they know they need it to be outfitted they maybe don't have the the budget to invest in all of the larger pieces up front uh, which I can understand I mean certain things like a sofa dining table larger case goods can be pretty pricey so so I work through the designs the layouts sourcing a couple different options and then that's passed off. So the client then has all the resources and materials they need to outfit the space as their time and budget allows. So so that's a good sort of entryway into what I've been focusing mostly on now is the full service, which is what we've done and what I would say a bulk of my, my work is now, um, which is really just as it sounds. So starting from the inspiration, design concepting, all the way through sourcing, procurement, install, the whole whole thing. How did you start making the switch from doing mostly decorating to, I mean, you're still doing mostly decorating, but going like mm -hmm. full service, but also having people who want you to do the actual design and reno of their home? Well, it's just a natural progression, to be honest. I know that's not a very satisfying answer. It was just as I started to get more more referrals, more repeat clients like you, and just continuing to grow my portfolio, people were reaching out for larger scale projects, and it just kind of evolved from there. It's really cool. Like When you were telling me about it, I'm like, okay, Elaine, I didn't know you were doing that. And I think there are a lot of people who buy places here and everywhere who completely yeah. change them. Like I was just talking to a friend about yeah. how 
a friend who bought a house is saying that she's glad it wasn't renovated because she doesn't think it's going to be renovated how she wants it to be. Because you know, yes. you see like some photos and you're like, ah, that's renovated. I don't like that. So it's, you're going to get, I'm sure a lot of people ask for the help. Yeah. And it's, there's really, that's a whole world that once you go into it and you see that you can customize truly anything, it just is like, it just keeps, it's like a snowball effect. <laughs> it just keeps going and going. But I love those. And I love having a kitchen space and like going in from scratch and drawing, drawing out those specific cabinet dimensions, everything from the, to the finishes and all it's just is, it's, it's pretty incredible. And then when it all comes together and it looks like the drawing and rendering that was just a 2D image in your mind, it's, it's pretty, pretty amazing. Well, when I buy my first house, I will be reaching out, not to worry. Great, great. I'm excited. I'm excited to collab on that. <laughs> Who are your favorite clients to work with? I, I'm going to put myself in the hat. I'm just going to assume because you're on my podcast. Yes, Shelby, but... <laughs> you're a forever favorite client. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I'm grandfathered in now, so I tell yes. everyone to work with you. I'm like, work with Lane. They're like, who did your apartment? Like, People think that I did this, which is really just kind of them, but- I'm like, no. It's great I though. I love that because that means that there's it's a true reflection of you, which is really my goal every time. So I'll take it. I love that. Yeah, it feels like my home. On your favorite projects so far, is it I'd love to know what makes them your favorite. Is it like the client that you're working with or is it the space? Like I just want to hear more about some of your favorites. It's almost always the the client and their attitude and openness to new ideas is really it there's some cool spaces but if the if the client isn't you know open to maybe trying something that they didn't think they could accomplish before or really set in their ways of it needs to be this color palette we need this particular piece of furniture what have you that just can be it can be limiting right so it's it's just fun to be able to know that you know i can go do my thing and then like you're a perfect example it's like there's always feedback and I'm so glad when there's pushback here or there and we adjust but then you're like okay yeah I trust you let's do it it's just it's that's the that's the way to get the the best results is really just trusting the designer you're working with whomever it is and really just investing time up front to find someone that understands what you want, your vision, and we'll work with you to to achieve that. Yeah, I think you do a great job of that. To your point, there were moments where you you said me a board and I'm like, oh yeah, this is it. And then there are moments where I'm like, okay, I like this, but what if we did this? But I mean, that's kind of how I need to work anyway, where the point of hiring a designer for me is I don't know where to go to buy things. Like, I think yes. New York especially <laughs> falls into the realm of like going to West Elm, going to CB2, yep. these very obvious stores to the point where I was selling, I don't know if you remember that little acrylic like side table I had. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. CB2, um, a coworker of Facebook gave it to me and then I sold it on Facebook Marketplace and people were looking up it up by name. I got 20 messages oh, yeah. about that table. So I'm like, okay, I don't really want my whole house to be cb2 west elm like there's nothing wrong with the way that looks but i i think part of working with the designer is that finding things that not everyone has but also 
in New York, we're in a unique position where you can't really just roam in and out of stores. The only stores you can roam in yeah. and out of are CB2 and West Elm. Um, exactly. Exactly. So it's helpful because you picked up some things that I wouldn't have found on my own. So I think like that's also like kind of the motivation. I'm curious to hear like what are things you don't like in design? I'm on TikTok. I don't know if you are. And people who listen to the podcast know I cannot get through an episode without bringing it up. I know. I know. And you you tell me the tick I still use that soap that you told me about. Oh my god, yes. It's now I can't get it. Now, I'm not I'm not even going to say the name of the soap on the podcast because I have a subscription to it on Amazon and my Amazon subscription has been delayed twice now. So I've been I've been found Whoa. out. I can't Wow. Yes. Luckily I have four bottles on hand, but I was going to say, I bought it in bulk when I got it. So I am not yet at the place where I need to be worried about reordering, but now maybe I should. Yeah. Yeah. Now I can only buy one at a time. So wow. TikTok is, the power of TikTok is crazy. I love watching interior design TikTok and I'm I'm on that. Like I, it's on my For You page. And so people make these videos, it's kind of the inspo for the question. People make these videos where they say, okay, these are design things that really resonate with me. And these are things that I hate. As a Midwesterner, people <laughs> make choices in their home that I wouldn't make. Now, that's not to shade the whole Midwest. Some people have taste. So I know some of my friends are listening <laughs> to this. But it's like very love, laugh, love. And so those videos are funny because like that's an obvious like thing that I hate. I'm not going to go to Marshall's and buy a sign that says like laundry. But... <laughs> But I think the videos where there's like some less obvious critique, because that's to me, that's an obvious critique, but like some less obvious critique where it's like, I don't like that everyone has the same like sofa. The cloud couch is a very, um, yes, is a very popular topic. Yeah. I don't like the cloud. I don't like the cloud sofa. I would never recommend it for someone. I can't get up. I'm in my 20s and I can't get off that couch. So. I sat on it and I'm like, help. <laughs> Hire a designer. I got some really good places to get some really fabulous sofas. I know. I want to revamp now. Well, yours is a pullout. It needs to, you know, host people. I know. And I love what you did where we added the legs because I look at yes. those like every day and it looks better. Yes. That was a good upgrade. Now I go to other friends' houses and they have those like really deep sofas. And I'm like, do I really need a deep sofa? Like I'm kind of obsessed with that. So stay tuned for me being like, so should I get the sofa? (laughs) (laughs) That's already, that's already a thing. But back to you and your design peeves. Yes. So yes, cloud sofa, I don't like. Other things that are, I guess, fall into the pet peeves category are like matching sets. Oh, yeah. You know, like they don't, it's not as common these days, but there used to be like you would go into the department store and get the matching bed and dresser and nightstands. Like not my favorite. It just is, it's not that it looks bad because that's, that's why so many people get it, right? Is that it's kind of a, it feels like a no fail, like this all looks good together, but it just, it's kind of boring. We can um, branch out a little bit. So that I would say... Oh, the other thing, when art is hung too high, I think yes. most people, they they hang their art at a place that is like, it's it should be at eye level. So if you hang it too high, it's, I, I don't, I don't even know 
how that got started, but it's it's something that definitely um, can bother me unless it's intentional. Sometimes it is. It's like when you're when you're at eye level, you're like, oh, this is perfect. But when things are a little bit off, it bothers me. Like I can't like let it go. And these quirky New York apartments that happen sometimes. I don't. I, I think I sent you a photo of this. My neon sign because my closet is off center. Oh yes. It's centered, but the optical illusion is yes. that it looks not centered. That bothered me for about five business days. I'm past it. <laughs> but I would walk in from the patio and be like, that sign's not centered. That yeah. sign's just not centered. And yeah, it is. I know what you mean. It but, is. It is. But it is. Yeah. So so that would that would be it. But you see it like when people have the like floating like big statement piece above their couch. Yeah. It should be you know, you don't want to be like banging into it, but don't have it be like two feet from your, from the top of your couch. So that, that's another, just bugs me. Just bugs Are there me. any design trends right now that you really like? I mean, I feel like the in English countryside look is getting a lot of attention now, kind of in yeah. the cut. It's like a, it's like a more refined version of cottage core. I'll call it yes. that, which I like. If only for the like lots of mixing of prints and colors and vintage and new. Um, so that's something I gravitate towards. It's like millennial coastal grandma. Yes. Yes. Because <laughs> people are obsessed with that right now. Like this coastal grandmother. I mean, I get it. I love it. I don't think I could, I could pull that off for my own apartment. I think I just collect too many things. Yeah. It's not my style. So if you would share some of your secrets, but what are the top places that you like to shop for furniture? Yes. Okay. I gave this a lot of thought and I have like three categories, $1 sign, $2 signs, and $3 signs. Oh, amazing. <laughs> a woman who thinks about our budgets. Yes. So $1 sign, Zara Home. Wow. Secret source. They have some beautiful stuff. And really well made. I am impressed with the quality. Same with H&M Home too. Great place for pillows. Like oh. they have pillow covers for like $9.99 that are gorgeous. Oh my God. I, th we, I think we got, we got something from there. The baskets for the blankets. The baskets, yeah. I mean, definitely Zara Home has some actual furniture as well. But those two places for small decor items that are, they're usually trendier. They're, but they're good. I, it's a secret, secret spot. So that's $1 sign. $2 signs. I have in here, of course, Anthro. We love Anthro. I mean, love we Anthro. sourced a lot of things from Anthropology from your place. Two smaller companies. Um, one is Beam, B-E-A-M. They're in Brooklyn. Mm -hmm. Lots of fun, quirky, just, they have furniture, but again, decor, lighting, things like that. Um, and then I've been really loving Pepper, Pepper Home for fabrics, wallpapers, things like that. This new, new to me company called Stray Dog Lighting. Ooh, Super cool, funky, funky light fixtures. It's, it's, they're cool. They're really cool. They're cool statement pieces. And then for $3 signs, I mainly here would just say, fabrics or wallpapers like invest in the really high quality designs there so anything from like a scalamandre schumacher there's this 
spot in New York called Studio Four that has a lot of small independent textile designers. And you can you can spend money at those places, but I think it can really make a big difference and elevate a space. Oh, thank you for sharing some of your secrets. I'm going to go to, I'm going to look at Zara Home for things I don't need because you already did my whole apartment. I just got some stuff from there recently because they, they refresh get? constantly. I got some lighting. Oh, like lamps? I've gotten, yeah. I got these gorgeous leather chairs there before. I'm always surprised. There's some okay. good stuff. <laughs> I'm looking after this call. So what are your top design tips to improve any space? So say that I cannot hire an, someone to decorate my apartment. And mm-hmm. I just want to do a couple of things to spruce it up based on what I already have, or like a couple of things I could buy from the one or $2 sign places you named. What would be a couple of things that would be great to just liven up the space? Three categories to focus on, I would say. One are windows. So having curtains or some kind of window covering makes a huge difference and really makes some, a space feel polished. And it doesn't have to be super expensive drapes or anything, definitely some sort of window covering. The other sort of category to focus on would be a rug and some kind of floor covering. Again, doesn't have to be the most expensive, luxurious carpet that you can find, but just something to make the space feel cohesive. And then the last category I would say is lighting. Specifically thinking about the different layers of your lighting. Like the most successful rooms have some sort of, uh, there's like a ceiling level light. There's something more mid-range and then something um, sort of at table height. Okay. So just considering, do you have a good mixture of light sources in those three different tiers? Yeah. So, you know, that makes the space feel a little cozier too, because then it's not like you come home at night and the one source of light is this blaring flush mount. <laughs> you have, you know, options there. So that can, that can really elevate. I want to talk about our process and working together. I know we shared a little bit throughout the conversation, but I think the question I get and why I wanted to have you on the podcast is because people often are like, okay, you're a normal person. Like you live in a one bedroom apartment. Why, why have you hired someone to decorate your apartment? Which is a silly question if they've seen my space. So I'm like, obviously my space looks better than most people's. And so (laughs) I want to talk a little bit about our process. What are things that worked in the process? What are things you really liked? And like kind of what was the difference between our space um, or this one and the last one? So I'll start with like, kind of how we processed the first one. I think I sent you a bunch of, I think I may have texted you or emailed you just like a bunch of images. Like you came over when we met, you measured. And then I was like, okay, here are all these images of things I want. And then you presented it. Let's just kind of outline that flow for people. Like let's talk about from what happened once I sent all those images to you. That process is still like kind of the same is really once someone's come on board We do the in-person meet, like you said, I collect all the measurements, the whole, the whole thing. So I can see the light, the colors, the whole, everything. And then if the client does have reference images to share, amazing. Not a lot of people do. You're kind of the exception there, I would say. Um, But I love it. More information is better. I mean, a lot of people, it's like, they don't really know what they like or they know what they like, but they don't 
we can't quite pinpoint it. So in that instance, just from chatting and understanding maybe the furniture that they currently have or what the space is like, their lifestyle, I'll put together some concept boards and that can at least get us started with here's a our sort of baseline. Let's adjust from here. So it could be like there's too much color going on or I don't really like warmer colors. I want to focus on the cooler tones or I'm totally over mid-century and I want something modern but not those silhouettes or whatnot and we refine the concept so then when I'm ready to officially begin sourcing pieces I have it can move very quickly because I have a strong idea of this will fit into the concept this won't I'm shocked to hear that less people are like people aren't really sending you reference images like that's the first thing I do I can think about even with this apartment I was sitting yeah I was on a work trip in San Francisco. I just signed the lease for this apartment. And <laughs> Building I'm sitting, your deck. Literally, I'm sitting in the bed of the hotel room like, okay, email Elaine. I'd been to the apartment one time. And I was yeah. like, okay, email Elaine. These are the things I want. Because the brief, I think for the last apartment, and I would have to look it up, I just said I, I like color. Like I kind of just gave you some things I liked yeah. and sent you the images. For this one, I was very specific. I said, I want it to look like Dumbo House but I wanted yes. to like be my yes, house, you did. so Shelby's house. <laughs> I, and then I sent yes, photos. And I think mission accomplished because it's like colorful <laughs> and it's warm, but it's sophisticated. And yes. I am, I'm almost too stunned to speak that people don't have reference images. So that's, do you prefer yeah. that because you have more room to kind of just like develop something? Kind of hard to pinpoint because I don't mind it, but like, for example, I know you, well, and we also have a history of working together. So I kind of understand already like, oh, this is totally Shelby's vibe or this isn't, but usually it's just, if someone sends something really specific, there's, I just want to be able to have the conversation of why, why do you like this? Is it the colors? Is it the, the feeling of the room? Is it the accessories? Is it, you know, the, the way the image is shot, or there's a lot of, there's just a lot to unpack from there to understand, because not everyone can pinpoint it either and say, this is why I, I really truly believe that more information is better. So the more specific references usually is easier, but it might just be trickier down the line in terms of, you know, we, whether it's like, okay, so you love this style chair that style chair maybe is way out of budget, but we can't, you know, you need to have something exactly like it. And so the, there can be resistance later on that I guess can be sort of tricky to work around. So I guess it just, it all goes back to that ideal client, which is just being willing and open and trusting that will make the vision come together, even if it doesn't look like a carbon copy of your reference image. Yeah, and I think that's a good point because with Dumbo House, obviously the So House interior designers have like insane budgets. I mean, I know much how much I pay them. So it's like if everyone <laughs> across the world is paying yeah, for this membership, yeah. like it's expensive. And even Soho Home, like their furniture is very expensive. So I walked into this knowing like this is Dumbo House on a budget and it's not like even 
it's not even that budget. Like we bought some really nice pieces, but at the same time, I'm like, I know that I cannot, I saw how much they were charging for stuff. I'm like, I cannot get on here and buy a $2,000. There's like the top designers fabrics or, you know, furniture collections are used at Soho house. Like, and that it's then published in like an architectural digest. Yeah. Cause it's stunning and expensive. It's all relative. But I think the best part of working with you is, although I had a vision, I think, like, for example, the gallery wall, I mean, this is a podcast, but those watching on video can see the gallery wall behind (laughs) me is something that was like on one of my reference, on one of my references. Mm -hmm. But I also had a photo that was like this crazy, it's like a gallery wall wrapped around a room. But I'm happy that like you made the decision to just go with the wall because like I can move the pieces easily. Like if I was over every photo here, I wouldn't have to do anything, but you know, change them. Like it's not a big, it's not a big deal. You incorporated my favorite color green in a way that's not obnoxious. My whole home (laughs) is not lime green. In fact, it's not. (laughs) My manager at work was joking with me. She goes, "Mm, I don't think there's enough green in your house because like everybody knows my obsession and she was just messing with me. She was like, I'm surprised to see that it's not like fully green in there, but yeah, no, we were restrained. Yes. I'm kind of glad it's not like my bedroom is not green at all. Um, no, I know. I was just thinking that. I was like, there's not, you know why? It's one because thing. of the, that rug. Yeah. And the only thing that's green in there is the lamp, which I love. I love the oh, lamp. Oh, good. Once yes. we figured out how to put that together, that's the best lamp. Yes, it's true. Well, you have your fabulous green swivel chair. Oh, I'm obsessed with the chair. I love the chair. Yeah. I have the palm tree pillows yes. on the patio. I also have a green table on the patio. And then you don't know this yet, but I got a green KitchenAid mixer. (laughs) Perfect. Perfect. It's it's kiwi color (laughs) and it's beautiful. So I, the green is happening, but I, I really liked this project because I feel like you pushed me a little, like I, for my bedroom, I love that we kept the rug because I loved the rug Mm -hmm. for my original place. Very colorful, all these different things, but like, I was like, do I want gray wallpaper? Because I really liked when I had color for wallpaper. Like I just, I was thinking yeah. to myself, I was like, Elaine, is there enough color in this room? <laughs> like, yes. I think at one point I asked you that, like, do you yeah. think there's going to be enough color in here? And you're like, Shelby, yeah. yes. <laughs> yes. Shelby. <laughs> we need to have like a rainbow explosion. I know. And in my mind, I have the most colorful home ever. But you were right because now I find the space to be very calming. Like when you walk in, it's yeah. beautiful. Like the rug is like really pretty, but the gray wallpaper is very soothing. Like the gray well, and, it and has blue the nice bedding. texture. Yeah. Yes. So it yeah, it's bring a in, It has depth. Yeah. Plus, you have a really large art collection, which is another yes. thing to consider. And knowing and that you collect things and change them out, so you don't want it to be competing have it just be a good backdrop for for all of that and that's why I don't decorate by myself because I don't know what I'm doing (laughs) you have a strong sense though of what what will work and you you know so I I think you don't give yourself enough credit thank you thank you my last question for you is how would you describe my design style now that we've talked about my need for all this color it's funny because I was thinking of the two apartments, your first one and then this one, and yeah. just the the evolution, let's say. 
And so I was like, that first one was definitely, it was colorful, like bright, loud color. It also felt sort of collected. Like it was a clear, you know, like you're living in the space, you're adding to it as you live there. It has the stamp of you host people, you spend a lot of time there, it's you. And with that, it's like, it had a bit of that casual air. Like it was just a homey place that, you know, it wasn't too formal or too perfect. You could, it was warm and welcoming. Where I feel like now those same themes are still here, but we've definitely added more of the, the refined sophistication. So it's a bit more elegant, but still whimsical and fun and like not too serious. Yeah, that's essentially my personality. And I love it. This is my this is my adult apartment. I could not recommend working with you more than I already do because I tell everyone who'll listen to me. But you do. And for that, I am very appreciative. So thank you. Yeah, of course. Of course. Because everyone tries to put it on me when my apartment was in apartment therapy, the first one. And it's like, yes. also, you clearly didn't read it if you thought that I designed it because it's... <laughs> They're not talking to me. It's not a, I'm not yeah. famous. It's not a feature of me. It's a feature of the apartment <laughs> we decorated. And so people are like, whoa, I can't believe you got your apartment apartment therapy. I was like, I did not. I paid Elaine. <laughs> <laughs> and she and her design work ended up in apartment therapy. So I cannot thank you enough. I love my space. And especially in this Good. world where I work from home and I'm home more than I've ever been as a New Yorker. Like, yeah. It's paramount that I like where I live. So thank you. Of course. Of course. You're a gem. A real gem of a person, Shelby. Thank you, Elaine. And thanks for hearing all my questions. It's been the best to have you on the podcast. Of course. Of course. Thank you for listening to another episode of Define Normal. If you like the episode or have any feedback for me, please leave a review on the Apple Podcast app. You can also follow the podcast on Instagram at Define Normal. See you next week.